the speed of Pico. He's in. This is the Philly Soccer Show. I'm KOW News Radio's Greg Orlandini with Mike Cervetio from the Philly Soccer Page. This week, we talk with Matt DeGeorge of the Delco Times. We get into all things Philadelphia Union. DC United coming to town from Philadelphia Union. Union coming off of a really bad road loss. And uh, that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> The, uh, the confidence amongst the fans for the front office, Jim Curtin's ebbing to a low again. I think you retweeted one of your old articles from about this time last year, basically stating you know, the confidence in Jim Curtin. I'm pointing to you, uh, Matt George, who's in here with us. I'm here. Uh, Although we have the same article at the Philly Soccer page. Right, right, right. And I also we believe do. that some of the other we do. I had, I, I had to look it up, and I was – because it was actually – I had a conversation with Jonathan Tannewald, who – uh, got some good quotes the other day, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, talked to Ernie Stewart about his confidence in in Jim Curtin being able to keep that job, and it was pretty much the same conversation on a Tuesday that I had had fifty one weeks prior. So, you know, it's uh, we're we're here again, and uh, it's it's stunning to think that the Union are actually three points ahead of where they were last year, that and is yet pretty, we're still yeah. in it, which makes you wonder that you know the depths that were plumbed last year and that. That was really bad last year. But, I mean, this is already staring at the same kind of year. Really terrible start. Bad stretch of the schedule coming up. Uh, It's – we talked about, Mike, you and I talked about this before the year. This this was the point in the season where you had to grab points. You have all these home games against pretty reasonably beatable opponents. And what they've gotten – five points overall? Five, yeah. five points out of what a possible eighteen. And Four points at home. I mean, and probably the bigger stat is the three goals. That's pretty damn. Two of two of them coming against New England, who are at ten men. Mm-hmm. One even strength goal to to tie a game. Right, and then a, just a bevy of missed chances uh, and, you're, you're, and blown you're ha- opportunities. You're having um, a couple games where your number one striker is not getting shots on goals. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, I just, I don't you understand. have no number two striker. Well, that, you don't this is the have a too. second. You don't have a second option there. Well, you you have other options, but it requires doing something that the Philadelphia Union refused to do, which is change the formation. No, they're not going to. I was getting to my second. I just, point. I, and this is this is this is. I was getting to my second point. point where let it let it out, Mike. Let it. Out. <laughs> where you, you the guy you brought in to maybe be your scoring depth, David David Acom is not. Delivering, I know Matt. You've been most vocal of anybody, I think, in the union press corps about Acom's failings. I, I don't. I don't think he's looked good, and it's it, it's the continuation of a theme. So, six starts with the Philadelphia Union, no goals or assists for him, which is the longest stretch of his career. If you go back, he's had thirteen straight games without a goal, including the playoffs with Chicago last year and the last six games with Chicago. So he is in a prolonged funk for reasons that. I don't really understand. I think he's active some games. There's been other games where he's just hasn't gotten the ball. And it's it's a question of is he not getting the ball because Borek Dolchkal is not settled in? Is Borek Dolchkal not settled in because he doesn't have a calm or Sapong or a winger on the other side as the outlet? 
it's becoming a real chicken and the egg situation, and it's becoming kind of very difficult to untangle. I, I th- Colin, to me, looks like he's out there kind of playing his own game apart from everyone else. I think he's he's always had the MO of being a mercurial player mm-hmm. who can float for 87 minutes and be active in the other three minutes and completely change the face of a game, mm-hmm. which is fine. But we saw this with you know, maybe Christian Maidana is the best example yeah, of this yeah. in Union history, is that the Union's team concept under Jim Curtin and the way that they try to defend and the way that they try to do a lot of other things doesn't really allow a lot of space for those kinds of well, players. They, they do this, though. They, they are a rigid, system-based team, and they get players that are not system-based players. I mean, Roland Alberg, talented, nuts, but talented, not a system player. Now, not a, num- not a number ten in this. System. Yeah, not, or you know, not or in this system. Now we're talking the same thing about a com. Not a out and out guy you can stick into into a rigid system. That goes to my other point about the formation, which they're not going to change. But why don't you move a com drifts into the center anyway? Why don't you just, why don't you draw it up like that and just have him hang behind CJ? Where and your your. Wingers would be your wide players, wingers or wide players, however you want to define it, would be Bedoya on the right and Fafa on the left. I think you, I think if you do that in a four four two, I think you'd sacrifice Harris because you need need a, def- a, a, a defensive guy to sit behind Dutch Gelb because he doesn't give you anything defensively. So you would need a Jones or a Craval to sit behind Dutchkel and sit in front of the back four. I mean, none of this is going to happen, obviously, but these are the things I'm throwing out there. I mean, it's a change. <laughs> it's something, and we, we talked to Jim Curtin today at the weekly press conference, and you know I asked him point blank, David Akam and CJ Sapong are ice cold right now. Do they need a break? And Curtin was of the position that, no, those guys don't learn by being on the bench. And I, I, he's not going to take Bedoya out of the squad. He's not going to take Dolchkel out of the squad, which I understand being that he's six game, you know he's five games in and you need him to settle in. I could see maybe a little bit of variability with maybe you try Elsino instead of Fafa Pico, which brings its own set of you know drawbacks that Elsino brings. But you're going to have five of the same six guys out there again, and it hasn't. It's been working, but it hasn't been working, which means it hasn't been working. I think that's that's the frustrating thing for me is that Curtin's unwilling to take these guys out of the lineup, even when they're cold, even when they're uh, they're not firing on all cylinders. And you've seen, I think you can look around the league and see other coaches that that do this from time to time, even with their star players. I think if you look at this season, watching Portland with uh, Liam Ridgewell, who is their star center back last year, had a really slow start to the season, and they sat him for two games, and he was not their starting center back, and he came back fired up. Well, that's been a, a union thing, going back to Hackworth too. That that benching a guy is like poison. It, it is like this is the worst thing you can do to a guy is benching him, giving a guy a break. That that means that you don't have any confidence. It doesn't mean, you know, in the context, this guy needs a break. This guy needs to, you know, maybe come off the bench and you know work for thirty minutes instead of ninety or seventy. It, it just it means something else in in the mindset of this team for some reason that it doesn't to other teams. But the flip side of that, and this is a criticism that I've always had of Jim Curtin, you know, limited. I, I don't think Jim Curtin is completely to blame this season by any stretch of the imagination. But I've I've had this criticism of him in the past is that the changes that he makes are so often reactive; they're not proactive. Right. 
And if you're able to um, if you're able to rotate the team ahead of time, you're able to always have fresh guys and always get the best of these guys instead of waiting for them to play their way out of the side. And that's the way that he's done squad rotation for years. Now, there was understandably reasons to do that. When your backup guys were, you know, Danny Cruz and Zach Pfeffer, no offense to either of those guys, but there was a bigger drop-off between the starters and the bench guys. Supposedly, that doesn't exist anymore. Supposedly, you know, Fabian Harbers and El Sino and Marcus Epps are only a step below Fafa Pico. Supposedly, Jay Simpson, who makes more money than C.J. Sapong, is just a step below C.J. Sapong and is not out there through no fault of his own, but because C.J. Sapong was informed so much last year. He said the Curtin said the same thing about Anthony Fontana this year, that he's on the bench through no fault of his own. Same for Derek Jones. If that's the case, then I don't see the harm in changing things once in a while, especially in goal. You don't, especially up top when you're looking for goals. You're just looking to catch lightning in one sequence, and that could mean a win against D.C. United. You just need one guy to do something once. You've seen these guys do nothing for six matches now. What is there that you're holding on to? I'd, I'd almost say I'd, I'd start Corey Burke yeah. somewhere. He's at least going to give you he's, energy. He's He's been good in the sub-appearances we've seen him in, too. He looks hungry. He looks feisty. Right. He's playing for something. He's a guy that's playing for something. Yeah. That, and that, that's the thing. You have these guys who they know they're not getting pulled. CJ knows he's not getting pulled. So it's complacency. There, yeah, there's no no urgency to them. And I put a lot of my criticism on the field on your midfield uh, trio. I do. I mean, you're rolling the dice with the young guys at defense. Your midfield trio, those are the guys that need to step their game up. You have, you know, Madunian, you have Bedoya, you have Dutch guy. No, Dutch girls know he's betting, betting in or what. Three guys have played for international team. Guys have played in World Cups. Guys have played hundreds of games at the club level in Europe. These are the guys you need to bring their level up. I, I agree, and I think Bedoya has done that to a certain degree. Yeah, but Bedoya is not a major goals and assists guy. No. He's never been in his career. He's probably at thirty-one, not going to start. Because you know, he's not this year suddenly going to be an eight and twelve guy. No matter how many minutes you pay him, how many minutes you play him, or how much you pay him, I think he's been better. But I, I agree, Harris has not been impactful much this year. No. I don't know if part of that's him splitting time on set pieces with with Dochkel and how that kind of helps him get a rhythm. And I don't think Dochkel's been very good yet. Um, but again, you know, th- some of that also comes with how good the forwards that they're trying to, to no. pass to are, and that's so it's a, it's kind of it. There's so many moving pieces, and they all seem to be moving away from each other. Well, let me ask you this, Matt, because you you were at the the press conference today, and Jim was talking a little bit about Dochkel, and he he kind of inferred that he's not been on the same page because almost he's thinking too far ahead. Did you get that sense? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I didn't, I didn't agree, but I thought that that was at least what I took away from the way Curtin yeah, talked about a it a little bit. I kind of probably brushed that aside because it didn't make much sense. Okay, um, I feel like that's common excuse for European players um, that they come in and, you know, we're thinking the game too fast and all this. And, you know, he's making the wrong runs so often compared to what wrong as opposed to what the guy with the ball thinks. So I, I don't I don't lend a lot of credence to that. I think that there's a certain way that a player in that part of the field can 
impact the game by getting on the ball and driving at the heart of defense, and he has seemed unable or unwilling to do a lot of that. Now, we know he's supposed to be able to, you know, pass through the lines and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, good passes through the lines require someone on the receiving end, but they haven't tried to play those balls a lot. Even when he has, I'd be willing to bet that if you look at Doge Cal's key passes, a lot of them have been crosses or shots where he's put, or the passes where he's put air under the ball. They haven't been a lot on the ground. And obviously that's a higher level thing, and that requires well, I mean, that's that been comfort. a struggle for the union completely, though, is being able to play through the, the middle of the field. Right. I mean, it's been, they've and it's been, been a setting struggle. records for crosses into the box. And it's been a struggle, for, but it's also been a struggle for the union over their however many, what's it, eight years now of existence, nine, nine this ninth season of existence. And it was what Dojkow was explicitly brought in to remedy. So, you know, you have to measure how much of it's him not solving a problem, how much of it is the problem being deeper than maybe they anticipated. Well, I, I think, I don't know if you guys caught this on Philly soccer page yesterday, but Dan Walsh had a piece that specifically called out the union as a whole for being absolutely terrible about running off the ball. I mean, it's, it's a common, I think it's a common problem in a lot of sports. I mean, I cover a lot of basketball and when an offense stagnates in basketball, it's usually because there'll be times where someone's dribbling the ball and no one's running and making themselves available. So I think that that's possible. I think that's also an energy metric. One of the things that we talked about with Jim Curtin today um, was the issue of how many duels they lost against mm. uh, against Dallas. I think they only won forty some percent of their yeah. duels, and it was. It, it felt like that too. It felt yeah. listless. Yeah, it I felt think, like they couldn't get a tackle in. It I think felt it was like, like they couldn't win a header. I think it was like forty four of one hundred five, yeah. and Curtin mentioned that he was concerned at halftime when the number was in the thirties. Right, that's that's a, yeah. that's a metric of energy. And, that's, and, yeah, exactly. It's effort. It's like rebounding in basketball. It's effort. It's like right. fighting the guy next to you. It's being willing to try things yeah. and stuff like that. Which, to Curtin's, you know, to Curtin's credit, he's created a system where he's told guys, "Listen, you're going to play. Try things." It's not like he's not setting up the value system for guys to try different things because. Certainly the impunity that a lot of these players are playing with where they're not going to be dropped from the side, they have ample latitude to try things, mm-hmm. to, to make different runs, to try different crosses. And they have tried different crosses. So I can't really fault Curtin necessarily for that. It's just a matter of the fact that they're not, you know, I think part of it's that the it, it's sapping that they're in the place that they're in, well, which and, is natural. Yeah. But, you know, I can't fault Curtin entirely for the way that these pieces are not put together. And it's kind of what you're saying kind of speaks to something I've been thinking about that you there's kind of three CJ Sapongs that you have. You have CJ Sapong that's beating up defenders and scoring goals, you know, in front clean up trash. And then there's CJ Sapong who's beating up defenders but really can't get his foot around a ball, but he's still doing his hold up play and then you have the CJ Sapong that does none of those things and is not moving and not part of the I think we're kind of maybe between two and three at this point because he's not you know he's not scoring goals and he yes. doesn't look like he's about to and when that his confidence starts ebbing away then his involvement in the rest other aspects of the game start disappearing well I th- and I think part of that is by design because when you bring in a calm I think the design in the offseason was that last year Sapong did such a great job of creating chances how many times did he you know have a hold up play distribute it out to either either backward to a midfielder or out to a a, a winger and then go in the box and head in, head in or or score mm-hmm. a goal how many times did he do that last year he did it pretty often this year they were trying to alleviate that they bring in a calm they bring in 
Doge Cal and say, these guys are going to be the creators. They're going to set you up. You're just going to be the finisher. And I think there's something lost in that. It's almost like they want to do they want to do the soccer in a better way. Yeah. And in doing that, they've lost something. And I think that's some of that grit. There, you know, I think we ran into this in 2014 going into 2015 where they brought in more skilled players. And they were like, well, we want to play a different way. We want to play possession. We want to do this. And it didn't work. And we did this with Hackworth in 2013 where he's like, well, we've got players. We want to be able to possess the ball and play on the ground and all this kind of stuff. And it didn't work. And if you look at some of the times that they've been really successful as a team, it's when they were ugly and just played ugly soccer, didn't have any possession. I could look at the possession numbers, and I could tell you that in six games this year, they have outpossessed the opponents and passed for a higher percentage more often in the six games this year than they did in all 34 games last year. Mm-hmm. And it matters not one single bit because they've been terrible. Right. So it, it's a matter of, I guess, finding what's important and what that balance is. And I think they want to play tougher than this group maybe is. I mean, you know, you say what you will about Chris Pontius, but when Chris Pontius was here, I can't believe that this six games is elevating Chris Pontius to saint-like status, but I've done it two times in writing already. But Chris Pontius, for what he was and what he was last year, was a guy who was unable to find the net until September or late August or whenever it was, but he brought a certain level of toughness that's just – not there. And the answer isn't to have all tough guys, but, you know. Maybe one tough guy. <laughs> what's the Bill Shankly quote? I think this year they've got too many guys who can play it, but they can't get the damn piano up the stairs <laughs> in order to play it. So, and yeah. also the guys that the well, guys that are, you know, paid to play it can't get their gloves off or something. And, I, and, I think, and you have a couple of opportunities to change the personnel to maybe bring in one of those guys. I mean, you mentioned Corey Burke, and I think we've we've seen what we've seen in the limited experience, or, uh, appearances from Burke this season is that he's he's going to throw in a challenge. Some of them might be a little reckless. What you saw from Derek Jones last year, he's going to throw in a challenge. Right. Some of them might be a little reckless. But it's something that people can get behind when it happens. That brings in our next guest, Felipe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Let's uh, let's never talk about Felipe yeah, no, on no, the show. No, again. Felipe. He's already gotten suspended. He's already gotten fined like right. three times this year. Good. So, yeah, it's, it's not enough. So I, I would want to introduce a question mm-hmm. that in my if I can throw in a cheap plug in my last latest piece for the Athletic that I as one of the five questions is, do you want the union to figure it out this year? And I, I, I preface this by saying that you look, you can kind of see the pathway. You know, last year they started 0-4-4, then they win four games, and everyone thinks, hey, it's it's ready to go, and then they struggle, and then they rebound, and they struggle. And you can see it again this year. They're struggling. They come out and beat D.C. on Saturday, for instance. Then they go on the road. They don't get any points, and all of a sudden you're thinking, you know, they get maybe one point. They're almost at 10 points. You're thinking, well, just a couple of results. They beat RSL. And you're thinking, well, we're only three games, we're only three points out of the playoffs. And then we do this all summer. Right. We do the same dance of right. like we win win a couple games. You sound like close. you've been through this before. I, I've been through it so many times. <laughs> I mean, this is what 2013 was, this is what 2014 was, 2015, well, 2015 was a disaster. Mm-hmm. 2016, it actually worked. Like, are you at the uh, I wonder where the fan base is at the point of just saying, you know what? I hope they lose to DC. I hope they I hope they lose this entire three-game road trip at Toronto, Columbus, Montreal, come back, and whether or not it's with a new coach, just say, you know what, screw it. Get Fontana in there. Try something new. See what Burke can do. Let's see what all these young guys can do. Is there even an upside to this yo-yoing anymore? I think the fans are speaking volumes by not being at the stadium. I think they're 
sick of, you know, this kind of scraping almost. If we do this and maybe get a result here, and if this guy comes through and, you know, this kid's got a little bit of potential of he kind of realizes it and, you know, and, oh, we just missed it again, but, you know, next year we're set up. If you know, we get this guy and he does this, I, I think people are going crazy about it. And our our good friend Joe Tanzi, who loves to stir the pot, put out a tweet promoting his podcast saying, well, what if this is like the process? What if in two years with the same co- – there, there's a monumental difference between what's going on with the union and what happened with the Sixers. Absolutely. Monumental yeah. difference. You, can, you can't do that in MLS soccer. I, I, yeah, it's structurally it's difficult to do. It's yeah. difficult to impossible. Well, you might be able to do, but you're also sacrificing something different. Like right. the, the union the, – the Sixers were sac- sacrificing being in the five or six seed in the East. We're not talking about the union trying to give up being the four seed in the East to be the one seed in the East. We're talking about them just trying to get into the playoffs. Right. There's nothing to there's, there's nothing to blow up, right? Because there's nothing that's <laughs> effective. It's already blown up. You're just trying to I I don't know I don't know how far this metaphor can go. Stop no, triaging I, the bodies. All right, I, I, I just know. I just think I, I think you make a good point that this. Constant scraping. It, it, it's, it's tiring is what it is. And it's for the lowest possible standard, the lowest possible metric of success, oh, it's just to get in the playoffs. Dragging yourself over the red line. That's that's what it is, it's, basically. We're not talking about competing for a championship. We're talking about competing for the chance to compete for a championship. Yeah. And probably I could throw compete a couple more times in that sentence. Like It's the lowest bar. Well, and I think you've heard Jim Curtin say this a couple of times over the last couple of years, that – they're going to have to get almost everything right to be competitive. Who the hell wants to follow a team and where that, that's the mantra? But, and that's and that and was, who does it right that much? And that was this. And you know, my my read on them before the season started was I pegged them at about a thirty percent chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. I thought what they had built this year was a playoff team for twenty seventeen. Like this team would have made the playoffs last year, which doesn't help this year. Mm-hmm. But I can remember writing that back in twenty fifteen with Curtin of the like if any if everything goes right. Like at what point do you as an ownership group or you as a team want to throw off those shackles and say we absolutely, we absolutely, absolutely have a roster that is a playoff case. I, uh, Atlanta absolutely yeah. has a playoff roster unless something goes horribly wrong. Toronto absolutely has a playoff roster unless the CONCACAF Champions League hangover stretches into August. You know, Red Bulls are up and down. But New York City – absolutely has a playoff roster. Mm-hmm. Orlando probably has a playoff roster if it wasn't for all the baggage that they've that they've dealt with. Like the Union have never in their history had that. And they had the opportunity this year. Akam, Dochkal, they had the opportunity. They needed to bring in at least one more attacking player, in my right. in my opinion, probably another forward, but they're shackled with Jay Simpson's contract. But they've never done that. And I can't imagine how frustrating that is to the fan base. Uh, uh, I, I can. Do you read even, the comments on even, anything? Do you even, read Twitter? Even, oh, God, I try not to. <laughs> even in 2011 and 2016 when they did make the playoffs, no one would have looked at those rosters and before the season started and been like, oh, that's absolutely a playoff yeah. team. They've, those, and that's the ratio that you're looking at, that two out of nine seasons, it works out right, when, which I think is about, you know, whatever percentage. I asked, this I'm a all, journalist. I asked this all year last year, and I'm, I can't believe I'm bringing this up again because I thought it would have been answered. Time is a flat circle when it comes to the union. Absolutely. When do results matter? When do performances matter? At some point, they have to. Hey, Ernie Stewart said they're getting good data off the guys. 
That's great. That's fine. The data's great, Greg. If that's, the great, data's good. that's great, but you're not playing a bar graph competition. The data is I've, great, guys. I've had this conversation with, with Adam Can, who's about to become the tactical guru for the, the website. That's over. the best signing they've had seriously. in a while. I mean, they if, should, if, he's going to be coaching your, next year. If all you seriously, if all your expected goal numbers and your offensive analytics are pointing to a fact that you should be scoring two point five goals a game, one point five, whatever that number is, and you're not, that tells me there's something fundamentally wrong with your team. That the people that you have in position to create the scoring chances or to finish the scoring chances are the wrong people. Yeah, I, if I went if I went to play blackjack that often and uh, my my expected return was that consistently exceeding my actual return, <laughs> I don't think it after after eight years I don't think it would be bad luck. I think it would you, be that I'm bad at blackjack. You wouldn't have a house yes. by that point. I, I I think that's what the reading would be on that. So that's I think that's where the ultimate frustration. Well, but you is. also you have and I I do agree that there's that frustration of. Maybe it's not anything personal about Curtin or even necessarily about his methods, but, you know, his record over four years has not been great. And coaches in most other settings would have been fired several times over. You, you, the uh, flip side is, is that if we if you start to look at that accountability, then it all kind of crumbles because then you have to look at Ernie Stewart and you have to look at the man who signed Ronald Dahlberg, who didn't work out here. Who signed Jay Simpson? Who didn't work out here? Who signed? Who made the deal for David Akam that has not given very good Char- early returns? Char- Charlie Davies. I mean, there are <laughs> numerous deals that it, you know. Gilliano Winaldum's not here. They they luck, you know they they luck into Jack Elliott. Let's let's be real on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Harris has been okay. Alejandro Bedoya has probably not given you the return that you've wanted for what you're paying him. Uh, Fafa Pico has outperformed his salary. But I mean, it's and it's it goes not, and even goes above Ernie Stewart too. Let's be, be well, yeah, honest about it's, it. It's not a murder. It's not a murder. Well, you can understand. I think with that track record, you can understand why an ownership group would be somewhat reticent to, to splash out money. But you know, it's when you start when you start to apply accountability, then it all kind of falls apart. And I understand the balance between accountability and continuity because you don't want to have what you had under Peter Novak where you'd be, you know, taxing 15 players out of here every year and bringing 15 new players and then, you know, all of a sudden this guy goes back to South America and this guy doesn't want to be here whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you can understand why you don't want that, but at the same time it's a balance and the balance is not being right. struck correctly. Well, and and talking about, you know, getting the right players and this is another thing I said all year last year and I it, which I can't believe I'm saying again. This team's full of B players. There's no A player on here. There's a lot of great guys that are would be really great complimentary players. Bedoya has made his career being kind of that complimentary player. Harris, I don't know enough, not enough data on Dutch Gal, I can't really say. I, I don't think the early return says that he's no. an A player. I think even CJ at his best is a B player, where he is a guy that goes out there and does, does his job. hold up play and does a yeah. job. They don't have an A player. They don't have a guy that changes the game. They don't have somebody that defenses are worried about. They don't have somebody, a a player that a coach game plans, opposing coach game plans against. They don't have that. And when you don't have that, and there's plenty of teams that do have that, and when you don't have that, that's a big problem. It's like, 
a team comparing an NHL team that has one fifty goal score to a couple guys that score scrape in twenty five goals. Where okay, I could take those guys out of the game. It's tough to take that one great player out, out of a game. You know, or you can compare it. You know. And that's how you take get, the metaphor as far as you want to take it. And that's how you get the situation like what Mike was describing of that's why everything needs to – I mean Jim was talking about this three years ago, that everyone needs to be – you know, everyone needs to have good games in order mm-hmm. for them to win. There can't be a weak link when you don't have a – you know, I know a lot of people will say that soccer is about how, you know, you only go as far as your weakest link. But the strongest link also has a certain power to make the others around them better. And yet they don't they don't have – that figure, I, I think they thought that Dochkal would be, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been so far. And maybe he, maybe he will. I've I've made some uh, enemies in the Czech Republic for <laughs> casting some doubt on him, but you know I can't. Those are not the type of enemies I would want. I don't think very highly of a league where this guy had twenty goals and twelve assists one season or whatever the heck it was. I mean, he had one phenomenal season. Mm-hmm. Well, that's with that's part of Prague, Slavia Prague, or part of Prague. That, that's that's how they signed Jay Simpson. He had that one big year. Right, yeah. it was in League Two, yeah, or League One, or whatever. Yeah. But there's just not a lot of answers, and I, I think if uh, if you're a fan, yeah. if you're a fan, you should absolutely be dismayed that it seems like we're having the same conversations that we and we absolutely for a very are. long time. All right, so let's let's talk about the game on the field uh, coming up. Oh, they're actually going to play a game, apparently. Um, so they got DC coming in. What does it say? Even if they beat DC, what does that tell you? Honestly. It says that you're not the absolute worst team in the league. Okay. I think that's the only thing it might that say. That in the kingdom of the blind, the, the one football team with one eye is king. <laughs> I mean, if you, if, you, if you can't beat D.C. United at home, what does that say? Without right. Paul Areola, who's suspended on a red card. Mm-hmm. There you so, go. If ever there was an opportunity. And, you know, last year's streak did end in D.C. in a game that was aided by a red card. And... You know, if if you look at the stats, the Union are probably do some luck somewhere along the line. Right. They haven't had a penalty called against them. They've had three red cards, but one's at the end. Two, one was redundant, really. Yeah. So they haven't had a terrible amount of luck. So you know, maybe some luck is is due them, but that's not a great. But, but place it's to be. It, no, it's not. And if they and you know, I hope they do beat DC. But even if they do, I don't think that's the game you point to and say you're. We're back. We're here. This is okay. The plan's coming together. Beating DC at home. You're supposed to beat DC at home. That's I mean, a game you're supposed to win. Now, it's nice to win. It's nice to get that monkey off your back. I mean, they break a bad streak before you go on the road. All those things are nice, but it's not. That shouldn't be like, all right, job done. No, and I, I don't think that they'll treat it that way. At least I don't. I don't. I don't think. I hope not. But I mean, and it has to be the way that they beat DC. It has to be a handy two yeah. two nil win or three nil win. There needs to be multiple goals in a game. I know that's, that's what they crazy need. talk. And that but. was that was the other thing comparing last year to this year when they weren't winning. They were scoring goals though. They had they, games where they could well, score. They, they weren't stopped. They weren't stopping it. That's anymore. the other characteristic pattern that I think we're gonna. I'm sure at some point I'll blow in here in August and we'll have this conversation. Is that <laughs> the unions? The unions' offense is way behind the defense, and then you're going to see them start scoring goals, and then the defense is right. going to go through struggles. And by the time the defense find itself then you know the offense it's going to go through that cycle again something that i've seen and written many many times so i I mean i i I don't think you can take too much out of this game it's a game that you should win there's really no upside almost to winning it because Mm -hmm. it's something that you should be doing. right and if you lose it's It's, disastrous it is very even if you you draw 
Even if you just get one point out of DC at home, that's if, bad. Absolutely. If you don't, that's terrible. If you don't win, then there is a potent argument for it being Jim Curtin's last game at Talon Energy Stadium, and I say yeah. that with no joy um, because uh, I like yeah. Jim as a coach yeah. and we, I like uh, Jim as a person. Yeah. We, we do, but and, yeah. and there's yeah. a potent argument because you could come because if they don't win, they could come back. They will almost certainly come back with fewer than ten points total from that that road right. trip. Which gets you at the point of at under a point per game, which is disaster zone. Right. I mean, yeah. Again, so I think I said last year. We're all sports fans. We watch sports most of our lives. We know that firing of coaches is rarely fair. A lot of times it is. Sometimes it's not. I mean, it's rarely. You could point to a lot of things. You know, when a coach gets fired, that could have been different. And you know, it's you know. It's, don't cliche. It's a game of ventures. Is this guy yeah. does one thing, you know, saves the coach's job. But again, performances should matter. Results should matter. The performances haven't been good, and the results you have a win loss draw column you can point to. I mean, that's ultimately what we're talking about here. If we don't care about performances, we don't care about results. Why are we here? Why are we sitting here? I mean, it's a nice view to it's a nice view to drink a beer and eat a hot dog, right? Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that's 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 a. I mean, not not the studio. The right, studio no, the studio is great, but I don't I think I can bring a beer it. in here. Oh uh, well, but we, you know, we, I mean, can Tal- it, Talent yeah. Energy Stadium is a great place to. No, it is. Know, no, watch it a beer. is. That's it's fine. Drink and a beer and. I always say I don't tell people what to do with their money. You want to go to a game? It's great. It's a great experience. It's a lot of fun. You don't want to? It's on you. Fine, whatever. And a lot of people aren't showing up this year. A lot of people aren't being given a a prominent. Reason to show yeah, up. I mean, they have the opportunity this weekend to take a picture with the garbage okay. truck. Okay, it's here. <laughs> there it is. Let's talk about yeah. it. I was wondering but where we're going to go. I was going to say it right there if you didn't go there. Yes. So let's we're talk here. about the garbage. Well, let's do it quickly because I rented the garbage truck and it is double parked. It, it is double. <laughs> and the PPA is going to hit me with a huge fine on that. Oh, so man. let's talk about the truck, but let's do it quickly. Um, these things just write themselves, man. Oh, man. It's, it's they, like they put out a tweet. Stra- it's stranger than If you missed the tweet, uh, they have a partnership. They did delete it. They did delete it. They have a partnership with a waste disposable disposal company, and there's some kind of promotion where you could go and win tickets with a garbage truck. Didn't quite understand it, but something along those I lines. Have the, I think I you have, have the original tweet. On my <laughs> that's that's actually his it's wallpaper a, yeah, on a, his <laughs> on his phone. He's he just, for quick quick access, and it went out into the Twitter sphere, into the social media, and it got pretty much the response you would think it would get. It will and, be, so the Republic Services truck on Saturday uh, will be parked on the Toyota Concourse or whatever, that the Toyota Plaza. You can get your picture taken inside, uh, <laughs> take the photos and tag at Republic Service and add the hashtag RepTheStar uh, to be entered to win four tickets for an upcoming game. No word on whether or not the garbage truck will be uh, then parked on the union's <laughs> substitutes bench. Thank you. That was, that was a addition by Matt there. Mike, I defer to you, because this is what you do professionally. <laughs> you're a social media you're a special. Man? Well, <laughs> mm, you're a... Christ. I do you're, cover the union. Oh, you are a social media specialist. You're a social <laughs> media manager. You're in professionally work with social media. If somebody came up to you where you work and said, with this campaign, what would your professional feedback be? Can we not do this this week? <laughs> that has to be the first question. Seriously. Yeah. No, I, I'm dead serious when I say that and saying, like, 
All right, say the Union go out and they win 3-0 three, three this week. Mm-hmm. I think the fan base settles down just a touch. Can we run this promotion for the next home game? Right. I think that has to be the easy first question of, like, so someone needs to raise their hand in the social media marketing department and say, guys, we're going to get killed on Twitter if we do this. Is, just yeah, have so some common someone sense. Someone has to say, how much is the garbage truck giving us? I will double it not to send us. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I say this with empathy because as someone, you know, all of us in media work in a semi-thankless job from time to time. Mm-hmm. And there are some really good people that work behind the scenes with the Philadelphia Union in the communications Wonderful. department. Sure. People that help us in out. In the marketing yes. department. They go, they go to the mat for us no, and we appreciate yeah. and that. And we work very yeah. hard and they have to work that hard whether the team is excellent mm-hmm. or terrible. And so it's it's difficult to too often you know, criticize them on Twitter for that because it's certainly not their message no. and it's not their fault. No, it's it's – but someone yeah. higher up the chain's gotta well. That's the thing. Gotta kind of yeah. raise an eyebrow about that, and you know, sometimes there's something to be said for saying something to an empty office and hearing how it bounces off the walls. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've kind of I've defended the marketing and social media people because they have a job. Like you said, they have a job to do. They have to promote the team, win, lose, or draw, and, good. A, and a very difficult job. And a, yeah. more often than not, <laughs> right? But, you, but there's you, there's a way that you can do it. No, they're... And stay on brand and do it with a tone that is respectful to whatever your fans are going through. Right. Cause, and it should just be the puppies that they have. Sure. Which, by yes. the way, is a great marketing thing. It's yeah. fantastic. They do. You can't, you can't hundreds, go wrong with puppies. It's hundreds a good cause. Who gets angry at puppies? Ado- yeah. Who gets, and it's a good cause. It's a fantastic cause. It and be puppies it, it, all the time. It's wonderful that they do that. Even even the whole smash the car thing, that's a charity thing. That's yeah, good. That's, that's a positive thing. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of goofy and whatever, but... But other things like the tattoo artist thing, yeah. they kind of the tone is wrong. Well, no, no, no. The tattoo artist was a good idea. Announce, the execution, announcing yeah. it on the sure. day that right. was the close of the the transfer window, when you had nothing else to announce, was uh, less than fortuitous timing. Right, right. And I, I think that's the problem with the union is like, you know, before the season we were begging for the ten, begging for the ten, and we had three weeks. Of jersey reveal uh, trivia, and then a jean sponsorship, and it's just like that stuff is fine, and you have to do some of that stuff as part of what you do on social media. But you have to understand the tone when you talk to people. Mm-hmm. And I, I can take the not the experience that I have working in social media for the museum, but like I follow a bad soccer team. I'm a Reading FC fan. It's <laughs> been absolutely awful this year. They almost got relegated out of the championship last year. They went to the playoff final. The difference in the social media tone from last year to this year was very obvious. When the team started playing really poorly and they went on a run of 15 straight games without a win. Jesus. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was awful. We, should, we almost should have gotten relegated. Yeah. But they toned it down. Mm. There wasn't rah-rah stuff on Twitter every week, on Facebook every week. You, just, you have to fuel the fan base a little you, bit. Because you're asking for it. You are... Yeah. And it's just ready, like, do you just, want it all the time? Philadelphia, just, Philadelphia fans are vocal, and they'll let you know when they're not happy. Does Redding need a striker? I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Okay. Yeah. I, I know Pro- a guy. Problem solved. There, there you go. go. We do. Um, <laughs> and, it's, it's actually just problem transfer well, in Servetio's world, but well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and again, don't, I don't think, do this to me. I think, and that's a great point you make, Mike. And I think. There's such an element in, in U.S. soccer that the game is so sacrosanct that you can't do anything 
fun. You know, you can't attach anything fun to it because then you're taking away from the glory of the beautiful game. Blah blah blah. Okay. So I'm. Fi- I think that's been thrown out in MLS though, because I, I think I find the MLS account particularly like really goofy yeah. sometimes. It's too yeah. many gifts. There's too many. Well, like, I think there's other cheeky crap things. Right. It's all just Zlatan, and whenever Sebastian Legette takes his shirt off, <laughs> you're tracking that, have you? Um, but so you have to, and I'm fine. You have to do these things, and and that's 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 fine. But but like you said, just take the temperature of your fan base. Yeah. I go back with the trash thing. Just can we do it next week? Yeah. Can we not? Can we do it after a win? Yeah. It yeah. has to come then, and it's just like not. And, after- and, and if and if your corporate person has to get on the phone with the trash company yeah. and say, "We can't do this right now." Sort that out behind the scenes and yeah. make that happen. That because that's their job to figure these yeah. you know, kind of massage that situation. Not after you get played off the park by Dallas, right. where you're not where you're not in a game for ninety minutes. Yeah. You were gonna say something, Matt? Or just. No, I'm good. You're good. I'm good. I'm just contemplating the trash truck. <laughs> I'm not going to be at the game on Saturday, so um, I don't know how. I'm I'll take a, I'll get. take a picture for you. Well, okay. Well, I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll, t- I'll try to get, I'll, I'll, t- I'll try to get into a picture and then and send it to you. Five bucks to whoever asks Jim a question about the trash truck. <laughs> I will give you five dollars. I'm, lo- I'm not losing my credentials. <laughs> the trash truck. That's more of a Wednesday question. <laughs> <laughs> that's more of a Wednesday right. question than a post game presser. Although it is an afternoon game, so a little bit more time. You know, I think I think. I think Jonathan Tannenwald has the tact for this. Should we, oh, should we call tact. our friend the, goal, Abs- the goalkeeper? Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Um, all right, I think we'll wrap it up on that <laughs> wonderful uh, exchange. About on that note, trash. we'll take out the trash. That is one thing I never thought I'd talk about on this podcast was a, a waste disposable vehicle on the podcast. I never thought I would have a 10-minute conversation. I assume that there would be much more thinly veiled allusions to trash and, and dumpsters. <laughs> dumpsters and, and burning yes, and yes. Uh, flaming. The conflagrations yeah. therein, but never that explicitly. <laughs> here we are. Uh, so here we are. Um, can, can we can we talk about one thing? Because you're a oh, I was fan. Yeah, I mean, come I on. We, we've been talking about I've been trying to bring even, it up for even, years now. Even, yes. Wanger out. Yes, he is. Oh, um, I want to point out that we were in a com- we were in a press conference uh, this afternoon with mm-hmm. Dave Sarikin, mm-hmm. the U.S. national team coach, and he was talking about his interim status, and he mentioned all coaches get fired eventually, mm-hmm. and the first thing I wrote down was Arsene Wenger was not fired. <laughs> so oh, I did not bring that up as a counterpoint. Okay, but, but you know I yeah. did bring it up for um, the falls afterwards. I, I th- you think it had to happen. I think it's happening in the right way. They're, they're kind of. Yeah. It's a respectful. So it doesn't happen last year this way. Oh, absolutely! No, it's at least a, at least maybe a year, the year before maybe, that. Yeah, at least a year, maybe two years too late. Yeah. It's a it's a very kind of gentle uncoupling of Wenger from the team. Um, I think they absolutely have to get the hire right. Uh, if they hire Brendan Rodgers, I cannot be held responsible for my actions. Um, you know, if if I'm making those, it's uh, Joachim Love from Low or however you say his name from Germany. He's number one. Yeah, I like I like Simeone. I, I kind of go back and forth. I don't think he he'd come to England, but he's a guy I really like. And if you're going that route, I don't think Vier's a terrible idea. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. He's because he's young. He's a guy you could put in that could be there for a while. He could grow with the you know grow with the team. He's part of Arsenal. He's you know got experience at the youth level with with City. I don't know making a jump from MLS to Premier League if that's possible, but I think Vieira is smart enough to know that the first guy yeah. who replaces Arsene Wenger yeah. 
is probably not going to last the season. No, yeah. And we saw... I mean, we have Manchester United I to, mean, exactly. oh, no, you, to you see know, the blueprint And you see this. the changing of the guard, and not even with... I guess it was a little bit different um, when Moyes left Everton mm-hmm. um, in that... I guess that was... Was that Martinez that stepped in there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, he had a little bit more longevity there. But the first guy is not going no, to... No, you, you, you don't want it's, to replace the guy. It's not you, gonna, you want to replace the guy yeah, that replaces Exactly. Him. That's I think, always... The, I think someone like Vieira is young enough and savvy enough to know that, and also the timing works to his advantage is that, you know, he can see out the NYCFC season, and maybe by the time he's getting around to preseason here in the U.S., mm-hmm. that job could be open. Yeah. Uh, so. Or even he could go and be part of the staff and then kind of ease into it. Maybe you get an Ancelotti for a couple of years that kind of writes the ship, and then he goes, he eases into, into the position from there. The one thing I would hope is that, Arsenal and uh, the United States are kind of trafficking in the same circles for their candidates mm-hmm. when it comes time this summer for, for a full-time yeah. coach. That would be nice. Um, that would which be would be wonderful. Well, yeah. if, if, if Lowe doesn't go to Arsenal, if he goes to the U.S. instead, I'd be— I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that I would do that. I would back up the brink struck for Antonio Conte mm-hmm. if, yeah. if I, in a second. Sure. I, I'd, I'd take any of these guys. I'd, 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 I'd send the boat over there. I'd love to. Uh, Conte, yeah. I mean, Conte. In a, in a second. Conte's done it at every level. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, would, I would take Conte. Yeah. I, I, would, I would take him. And, and what a character. Yeah. How much Absolute, fun would that absolutely. be? Absolutely. <laughs> and I think he also has, uh, I think he would look at this group and he would also see the personnel to play a three-five-two right out of the gate. And, and I um, think, yeah. And, Amen. And I, I said this before. I think I said it to you, Mike. Um, the U.S. soccer head coaching job, manager job, whatever, it's not a great job, but it's a great challenge. And I think... You know, because it, it's not one of the cosmopolitan, one of the big, you know, it's not England, it's not Italy. But Jürgen Klinsmann's a, a household name in the U.S. and Jürgy Lowe isn't. I mean, there's <laughs> there's some value in that. Right. Well, but but it's a great challenge for anybody to make something, to come in here, and you can be the guy that makes U.S. soccer on a footing with the great the giants of Europe and South America. That, I think there's a challenge there. For somebody that they could see, it. and plus they could they could conceivably pay somebody a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Yeah, so they should you do that. In, you get to live in California, right? And, and yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think do you, do you think Wenger is going to go somewhere? I mean, it seemed like from his press, seriously, he, the yeah, one maybe back to France, the one, either back to France. The one thing I somebody kicked around, it's not crazy because they do need a coach. It's Japan because mm. they got rid of the coach. He coached in Japan, loved it. They loved him. He liked Japan because there was like no money there, and he could just kind of do Wenger ball and just move parts around and not worry about worry about a big salary. So he really liked coaching in Japan. But he he, I don't I don't know if he'll do it. But I don't think it's crazy if he ended up there. That's we, interesting. You know, go through the World Cup and just coach them through the World Cup and maybe hang out through like maybe I don't know if the Asian Championships next year. I'm not sure when they what cycle that's on. But you know, I can it, see it's, it's not a crazy thing. I could see him ending up back at Monaco at some point. Yeah. Or, or yeah, or like a smaller club where he could just go and do his thing and not have to worry competing every week. With, I think that would be the nice the, thing about going with, back to France is yeah, that you, you, I mean, outside of PSG, you yeah, don't have a big club in that league. You're not competing with see. with the with the with the salaries of yeah. City and Man United and and Chelsea. You're not. That's not a thing you, you have to worry about. Dethroning, dethroning PSG as being a goal. Oh, sure. for sure. Yeah, yeah it's just to, again prove he's right and his I. His philosophy is right. All right. I think we'll wrap it up on that. Wow. We've talked for a long time. Um, I want to thank Matt DeGeorge for coming up. Matt, you are 
writing for so many outlets these days. Let us know Not what that you're many. doing. I am so you can still catch me at the Delco Times as usual. I am also writing for the Athletic these days. There's mm-hmm. going to be a uh, a really fun feature that I enjoyed uh, writing about Jack Elliott dropping soon about how he was discovered on uh, basically a men's rec league team in high school. Huh. Um, and you can follow me. So both of those places. Uh, sign up for the Athletic Philadelphia, which brings a lot of great writers, myself and Dave Zeitlin, plus all the other national writers mm-hmm. and a bunch of uh, MLS markets as well. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at SportsDoctorMD. All right. And Mike, of course. Always check out Mike for his game reports on the Philly Soccer page. And uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. I hope you're, everybody's checking out the new KYW News Radio website. And uh, I will catch you all next week.